0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and today we're continuing to look in the book of Proverbs, practical prosperity in Proverbs. You know, walking in God's financial will isn't just about believing him for his provision. It's a lot to do with wisdom, walking in wisdom, in how we use our money, how we manage it. And the book of Proverbs is written to impart wisdom, especially in the area of finances. Last time we saw the four aspects of wisdom, and we're going to continue now to the next aspect. Wisdom teaches us to take dominion over our finances, and that includes financial planning uh, and some kind of budgeting. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, when God made man, he said, let them have dominion over the fish, over the birds, the cattle, everything on the earth. God wants us to take dominion. He said, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion, he says. So you see, Adam was commanded to take dominion over the wealth that was entrusted to him, all the wealth of the earth. God started by putting him in the garden. And it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. He was to take dominion over it, cultivating it, guarding it. And in the same way, we are to take control. We're to rule over our finances that God's entrusted to us. How do we do this? Number one, you must know the state of your finances. You must know what's yours. Adam, you see, was led to name all the animals. He took inventory. And it says in Proverbs 27, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. And to attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. In other words, don't assume that your wealth will just look after itself, that you'll automatically have it, because if you don't manage it right, it will run away from you. But if you are diligent, this is the promise, when the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field, you'll have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. But that comes from diligence, to know the state of your flocks. Now the second step is to plan your finances according to your priorities. You know, some think that financial planning... Budgeting, it's all unspiritual. Aren't we just meant to be led by the Spirit day by day? There is a balance between the natural and the supernatural. It's it's both. We need both, not either or. Financial planning is part of being diligent and wise. It's exercising dominion over your finances, as God told us to. It doesn't mean you aren't to be led by the Spirit. It's as well as being led by the Spirit. It says the plans of the diligent you see, lead surely to plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty to poverty. Surely, he says. Without planning what will happen is you'll just end up acting on impulse and you'll end up spending it all as soon as you get it. And your planning should reflect your priorities. Otherwise you'll just waste that money and fail to put it towards what's truly important. You're the manager of the finances. You need to plan accordingly. You need a strategy. Your priorities need to reflect certain things. Number one, you need to set aside the first fruits to God and any other offerings. That should come first. Then set aside a certain amount for short term and longer term savings. Or if you're in debt, before you can save, of course, your priority must be to clear that debt. We'll talk about that in a minute. Number three, then spending is the third priority any necessary spending that you have, and then finally on luxuries. Putting those priorities in place imposes a discipline on your sp- personal spending. You set aside first fruits to God and a certain amount for savings or paying off debts, and then you live within the rest. You need to attack your debt in a disciplined way by making regular payments against it. You set the priorities, you set that strategy in place, you take dominion. You just don't go by impulse. So saving is wisdom. It's it's not wrong to save. Don't feel guilty about that. You know, um, Proverbs makes it clear it's wise to save. And then if there's an emergency or if there are harder times, then when f- you know, then you still have a supply. That's why the Bible talks about barns and storehouses. It says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. He, there's savings there. I like what Wesley said. He said, make as much money as you can, save as much money as you can, and give as much money as you can. Proverbs says, there is a desirable treasure, oil, in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. In other words, they would save finances in terms of oil and other precious materials in the house. That was their assets, their savings, that could be used in the future. But the foolish one uses it up as soon as they get it. They squander it, and so they haven't planned, they, they haven't planned their finances. They're led by their desires, and so they, they consume it as everything, and they never have any savings, you see. Well, we need to learn from the wisdom of the ant. We saw last time from the ant, not to be lazy, but we also learn from the ant about saving. Proverbs says, things which are little on the earth, but exceedingly wise... The ants are people not strong, but they prepare their food in the summer. They prepare their food ahead of time to keep them through the winter, through the harder time. So they save up in part of the year that they can use it later. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Having no captain, overseer, ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. That's what we need, that saving, you see, for harder time ahead in the winter. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? And so on. Uh, we, We saw that last time. So the ant has enough sense to know there are seasons in life. And the summer is when most of her food comes in. So does she eat it all right then? No. She gathers it and saves enough for the winter ahead. And so when the money comes in, you're not to use it all at once. You're to put some aside for a later season when you're going to need it. Is that a lack of wisdom? No. A lack of faith? No, it's just wisdom. And, uh, you know, if, you don't make, if you're a sluggard who doesn't make the effort to plan and save, then you pay the price for that. Uh, you just end up spending everything you have as it comes in. And then, then you're surprised. Now there are two kinds of savings. There, short-term savings. You know, just cover um, predictable expenses, bills that are coming due, and uh, and there are always unforeseen expenses. You know, there is a time when your car will break down. There is a time when your oven won't work. And is that the devil? Not necessarily. These these things happen. Equipment has a lifespan. So if. If you're just living on everything and then suddenly this happens, now you're in a crisis because you've got no money. Whereas had you saved a bit for such things in the short term, then it's not a crisis for you. Don't live at the bottom of the barrel. Live at the top of the barrel, as it were. Then there are medium-term savings. Maybe you need to save for a holiday or you know something that is quite valuable that need, will need a bit of time to save up for it. So it's better to save for it and pay for it, rather than take out a loan or a high-interest debt, and you'll end up paying twice as much for it. Long-term savings are valid too, maybe for for retirement or to pass something on to your children and so on. And so if you're in a time when you're earning good money, you should be setting some aside for a future time, you know? You You should make a will, you should make provision, For your family. That's not lack of faith. It's just wisdom. You know, prudence is a key word in Proverbs. It means foresight. It means considering the possible causes of action and choosing the best one. As it said, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, being a Christian doesn't mean you throw away your common sense. Sometimes God might warn you, look, there's a bit of trouble ahead and you need to cut back on your expenses right now, and, and you need to pay your debts off a bit faster. You need to trim your sails so that you're ready for, for that coming storm. You know, you we need to be diligent in that. How does it fit with being led by the Spirit? Well, we should be led by the Spirit in our planning, first of all, and whatever plans we make, we commit them to the Lord, and then, if he, then he can direct us, he can change them. So planning is not necessarily presumption, as long as our plans are provisional and flexible, and then if God reveals us to do something different, we're okay with that. As it says, commit your plans to the Lord, your works to the Lord, and your thoughts or your plans will be established. So it may end up different to what you planned, but as you make plans, you commit them to the Lord, And God will then establish. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your plans, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So he wants you to plan and he wants you to commit it all to him and let him guide you and direct your path. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you his plans Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. So God works through the plans you make as you commit them to him. Obviously, it's wrong to make plans independently of God, assuming that he'll just automatically bless them. You know, that, that would be pride. It does say, don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what the day will bring forth. You know, James says, Come now, you businessmen who say, today, tomorrow, we'll go to such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? He says. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, such boasting is evil. So he does, James doesn't tell us not to plan. He tells them to plan tomorrow, but to submit God's plans to God's will. And to understand those plans are provisional, flexible, and we're open for God to change our plans. That's the point. So Proverbs 16 says it well. A man's heart plans his way, and that's okay. But the Lord directs his steps. So the Lord will fine-tune our plans or change them if necessary. But we need to plan. That's part of our dominion mandate. You know, starting a new successful business needs careful planning didn't Jesus say if you're planning to build a tower who you sit down first and you count the cost whether you've got enough money you've got enough energy resources to finish it otherwise you've laid the foundation and you can't finish it people will mock you saying he began and he wasn't able to finish in other words you're meant to plan it that's God says that you're being a fool if you don't Habakkuk says, the Lord says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Notice the process here. Number one, you need to have the vision. You need to have the big idea. But that isn't enough. Two, you need to communicate it clearly. You need to write it down. Why? So that others can understand it and run with it when they read it. We need to write it down because that forces us to think through the details of it. And then when it is plainly written, then those who are meant to implement it, they, they can run. They can do it. And so God wants us to plan and then execute that plan and be, always be open to him. And when we're planning, we need to be open to good advice you know if you're planning to start a business talk to people who are in that same business they can tell you things you wouldn't have thought about difficulties extra costs you know you need to gather all the information and count the cost and see if this is absolutely right. And the council may not stop your plans, but they will fine-tune your plans. This is all wisdom. You need to plan ahead, not stumble into it and make terrible mistakes. It says, without counsel, plans go astray. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. You get good advice. You plan. You think ahead. Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel, wage war. You know. By wise counsel, you'll wage your own war. In the multitude of counsellors, there is safety. So there may be dangers ahead that you haven't even realised. But if you get the right advice, you will save yourself a lot of trouble. It's easy to have a vision, but it takes determination to see it through. It's easy to start a race, it's harder to finish it. And it says that God wants you to be able to don 't go with um, quick get quick rich schemes they're usually traps to make you part with your money. they appeal as it were to the fact that we, we don 't want to be diligent we just want want it easy. but God wants you to plan, make steady progress in your life and and just grow in the blessing of God. Take dominion, keep a diary. Uh, of things that you need to do today and tick them off when you've done it. If you haven't done them all, put them into next day. You, you need to plan. This is part of taking dominion. What, what are the keys for success in your business? Number one, dedicate it to the Lord. It belongs to him. Pray over your business every day and to confess God's blessing over it. Don't look for quick riches. God will bless you steadily as he prospers your soul. He wants to prosper your business as you grow. Don't enter into partnership with an unbeliever. It's not just for marriage, but that's also true for business partnerships. Have someone that will share your convictions and your vision. Be a giver from your business. As you give, you bring blessing on your business. Let your business bless the kingdom of God. And build a reputation of integrity and excellence. And then you'll have a good reputation. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. Just a couple of other ones now. Wisdom values spiritual things more highly than money. Many Proverbs talk about this. It's better to have a little uh, with the blessing of God than to have a lot of money and be out of the will of God. Um, But we're going to move on. God's blessing is more important. Being in God's fellowship is more important than money. We need to value spiritual things more highly than financial things. But if God can see he can trust you with finances, then he can bless you more with that. Wisdom is generous. There is one that scatters yet increases, and there is one that withholds more than is right and leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will be watered himself. Again, There are many proverbs that talk about the generosity actually brings greater financial blessing in your life. But if one is greedy with one's wealth, it actually leads to poverty. And the last thing I really want to cover of great importance is the issue of debt. Wisdom works to avoid debt and to get out of debt. (coughs) It says that the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. You see, when you get into debt, you get into bondage. You become a servant to someone. You lose financial freedom. You lose emotional freedom. And if you don't take proper action, if you don't come against that debt, it just gets worse. God's blessing is, is working to deliver you from debt and keep you out of debt. He says, the Lord will bless all the work of your hand. You will lend to many nations, you'll not borrow. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. You see, the lender is the, is the head, having authority over the borrower, the tail. Then the problem we have is we live in a credit card society of debt. Debt is considered normal. It's even encouraged. And if we're not careful, we train our children to be debtors. We just pass on that lifestyle. Notice this. It says, train up a child in the way it should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Then it says, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the servant of the lender. You know, we need to teach our children to keep out of debt. The borrower is servant to the lender. And if you're in debt, you do your best to get out of it as quickly as you can. You know, how can we avoid debt? One major cause is just foolish spending. Because we're covetous, because we want it now. We spend beyond our means. We spend money we don't have, and it's better to wait till you have the money to pay for it without having to borrow and take interest. Notice this, it says, the drunkard, who always wants more alcohol now, and the glutton, who always wants more food, will come to poverty. And drowsiness will cover a man with rags. So their greed causes them to spend more money than they have, so they get into poverty. And, and it just gets worse and worse. They've got to have it now. And so they overspend, and they go into poverty. It says, he who covets greedily all day long, he, but the righteous gives and does not spare. Covetousness will bring us into debt. We need to be content with what we have, You know, and then believe God for the increase. Jesus said, beware of covetousness. Your true life doesn't consist in the abundance of things we possess. You know, you really can live without that thing. You've managed so far in your life. That's not your real life, whether you have that thing or not. You know, wait till you can actually afford it, rather than putting yourself into debt to get it. You know, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. The fool spends all his money now, you see. And then when something happens, he's quickly into debt because he's got no backup. Make sure you build your income up to a level where you can afford that that nice thing rather, rather than getting into debt. See, it says in Proverbs, prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field and afterward build your house. In other words, before you fill your house with nice things, make sure your work is providing the necessary finance because otherwise you're just going to get into debt. If you want everything perfect in your house right now, you'll get into debt to get it, and your work life is not in position for that. It says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity, who puts his desires first, will have poverty enough. He who loves pleasure will be poor man, but he who covets wine and oil will not be rich. Not that God doesn't want us to enjoy these things, but if we put them first... They'll lead us into poverty. See, debt is a bondage that will lock you into a cycle of poverty. And it will just get worse because of compound interest. What you owe is building up all the time. And the more interest you pay, the the more you're going to get into debt. Unless you make some drastic changes in your life, the trap of debt is going to build up on you. And the emotional stress is going to get worse and worse. And you will have less money than before because you've got to pay off the debts. And all the time the stress is growing. And this is the number one cause of, of arguments because as problems increase in a marriage, you know, blame, the blame game happens and arguments happen. And so it creates all kinds of stress. You know, it's not, I'm not saying it's a sin to have a debt. You know, um, it says, O oh man, nothing but to love one another and that's, that b- certainly means we need to pay our debts. But if it was a sin to borrow, it would also be a sin to lend. So there are times when it might be necessary to borrow. But we must be very careful when we borrow. We must count the cost. We must make sure we're not doing it foolishly. We should tr- if we can do it another way, we need to do it that way. Um, and it's certainly wrong to borrow beyond our ability to repay. Um, But, you know, there are times when you might need to borrow, especially to have a mortgage. If you can save, that's better. But, um, for instance, to have a mortgage, you know, uh, when we bought our guest house, there was no other way, really, apart from borrowing money. But we did the calculations that it would pay for itself, and it has been a good move. We didn't want to wait 20 years till we saved enough money to buy it. Um, So I think it was right to take out a mortgage to borrow. But notice again that when you buy a house, you're actually using that borrowed money to buy an asset that retains its value, that could in principle be sold to repay the debt. So I think it's okay to use credit cards, especially if you're traveling. But as long as you have the self-control to use them correctly... The interest rates are high, so you need to have the discipline to pay them off the next month. And if you don't have that discipline, you, d- you don't need to be using them because you'll be ending up paying crazy interest um, and you'll fall into the debt trap. So if you can manage them, that's fine. If you've got credit card debt, you need to transfer that debt into a lower interest rate loan or put it to another credit card where you get 0% for a time. You know, but you need to get rid of your high interest debts. The Bible warns us against getting into debt unnecessarily. Um, There's many proverbs on this. Surety was a kind of debt, kind of guaranteeing your friend's debt. And it warns you against getting into that kind of debt. It says, he who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but he who hates being surety is secure. You should hate getting into debt. And if you're in debt, you should hate it and you should attack that debt and make it your priority in your financial planning to get rid of that debt because that's a constant stress over your life. It says, getting out of debt, it should be a matter of honor to us to pay our debts. For an honorable person, that debt weighs heavily on him till he repays it. So it should be your top priority to get out of debt. A permanent state of debt surely is not God's will. You've got to commit yourself to take action to get out of debt. Peg back your unnecessary expenses and focus the money into paying that debt off. Don't just accept that debt as a normal thing. You need to see it as an enemy. It's a bondage. You need to fight it to get out of it. And that's what Proverbs 6 says. If you are in debt, if you're a surety for your friend, you've shaken hands, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You've got into bondage. You're taken by the words of your mouth. Do this, my son, and deliver yourself from that debt. You've come into the hand of your friend. Humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes or slump to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Do whatever is necessary to get out of that debt. God is the God of supernatural debt cancellation. And if you will do what you can to get out of debt, God will help you to get set free. You can call him on him to do what you can't do. You make the effort to get out of debt and then ask God to come through. There are many examples in the Bible of supernatural debt cancellation. Even in the Lord's Prayer it says, forgive us our debts. Call on God to deliver you from that debt. Make it your number one commission. Commitment to get out of debt as soon as you can, and then ask God supernaturally to help you. To get free, you need to break the spirit and the power of debt over your life. I'm going to say a prayer for you. On the cross, Jesus took the curse of poverty and debt for me. That's my confession, that I might receive the blessing. Therefore, I am blessed, and the Lord blesses the work of my hands. Right now, in Jesus' name, I break the power, the spirit of debt over my life, over your life. I declare you free from the bondage of debt by the blessing of God. My debts are being paid. I live in abundance, not lack. I live debt free. I'm the head, not the tail, above only and not belief. You need to declare that. You need to break the spirit of debt over your life because that's a bondage. Make it your aim. Make it your goal. Ask God to set you free from debt.